I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. How do I handle the triggers and reactions that I am experiencing? When living in an abusive situation, a victim often becomes reactive. The environment is not emotionally safe. You are walking on eggshells every single day of your life. Your mind is in hyperdrive and hyper alert all the time. You never feel good enough for this abusive person. You can't ever do anything right. You are constantly judged and blamed. Your thoughts and feelings never matter. You have no space to be human. The reactions that you are feeling are not wrong. In fact, they are perfectly normal in this type of environment. This is a traumatic environment. It is incredibly damaging and leaves significant imprints on your mind, heart, soul, and body. Even if we have left the situation, these imprints are still there. Remember, these are normal reactions to a traumatic environment. And in fact, these imprints pile up. You have piles of them inside of you. This is a thousand bee stings. You've heard me talk about that before. These imprints are so easily triggered, causing major reactions in us that simply do not match the current situation. How do we handle these triggers and stop these intense reactions? I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey of healing. A trigger is a stimulus that causes a painful memory to resurface or a pile of painful memories. What kind of stimulus? Any kind. Anything can be a trigger. It can be a sensory reminder like a sound, a smell, a sight, or a taste, or a feel, something you touch. It can be a verbal reminder, such as a certain word or a certain phrase or, or somebody that has a certain accent that sounds familiar to something in your past. It can be a specific situation, such as driving down a certain road, a particular event like a birthday party or a holiday, a trip or a vacation. It can be a particular time of the day or a specific season of the year. So many things can trigger memories of the abuse. And when you are with a covert narcissist, the abuse is not one specific time. It's not that one time that he hit you or that one big blow up event. It is a thousand bee stings. So many stories and memories, a massive pile that has been swept under the rug for years and even decades, thing after thing that has never been fixed. There's no reconciliation ever. They never take any ownership of their part in the pain, so the air never gets cleared. 
you simply continue to take all the blame and to work extra hard to avoid the countless situations that caused the abuse and these countless situations that you cannot possibly predict. That's why you're always walking on eggshells. So how many triggers are there? Countless. It's countless. If someone was badly triggered by a car accident, then that's one specific situation that would be a trigger for them. The action of driving a car could be a huge trigger for them. And they will need to work through that one, you know, scenario or that one event. And if their if their reaction is, you know, big enough, if they're struggling with it enough, they may simply choose to never drive again. But when you have so many countless situations of traumatic abuse, the amount of triggers is overwhelming. You can't just avoid you know, a specific triggering situation because the triggers seem to be everywhere. There simply are too many of them. What does a triggered reaction look like? It's a response that seems out of proportion to the current stimulus because it's not a response to the immediate thing that is happening, whatever that thing is. It is instead a response to all the buildup that's inside of you, all of the unresolved turmoil and pain, the lack of emotional safety. So your response to whatever the current situation is, is out of proportion. I'll give you a a personal example from my life. My husband often would not answer my text if he was upset with what I was saying. And this could be anything, you know, it it would be, um, you know, if I asked him to stop by the store on the way home from work and he didn't answer me, like maybe we'd been having conversation. I said, oh, by the way, will you stop on the way home from work? And all of a sudden he goes silent. That lack of answer from him almost always meant that he was angry and that I would pay for it later. I knew he was mad. And I'd hear it when he got home. I work all day long and and work so hard to pay all the bills in this family. And you can't even go to the grocery store. What have you been all doing all day? You know, what are you doing that's taking all your precious time? And why can't you go and all the judgment from him? So that lack of an answer from him would instantly send me into defending myself, justifying my day or my productivity. And so I would start sending another text that might say, you know, what all I've gotten done that day and, and why I can't go, or maybe I wasn't feeling well, or, or I might even say, Hey, never mind, I can get away for a bit. I'll take care of it. Trying to kind of just smooth it over real fast. Either way, my heart would be pounding out of my chest, my stomach doing somersaults, my anxiety level skyrocketing, all because he did not answer my text. Because that's the silent treatment that he used. So a couple years after my divorce, my friend and I had been texting. We'd been in conversation and texting. And I happened to ask a question. And right at that moment, she didn't answer. In fact, she disappeared from the conversation for a little while. I went into panic mode. All of that came piling back in, pouring back into me. My heart racing, my stomach dropped. I'm looking at it going, what did I do? How did I upset her? Is she angry? Do I need to defend myself? My reaction did not match the situation. All that had happened on her end was that her child had come into the room and just needed her for a few minutes. She later came back to the conversation. We simply just continued. Like it was a nothing. But the reaction in me was certainly not a nothing. It didn't match the situation because it was not a reaction to my friend. It was a reaction to all the years of this manipulative treatment from my husband. 
when we experience trauma, our brain goes into hyperdrive. It becomes over alert to our surroundings, kind of as a means to survival, and, and it's an effective means to survival. But then the event is imprinted in our mind. Now, it's not imprinted in theirs. Let me, let me talk about this for a minute. You will remember every detail, every word, every look, every smell, everything. Your brain stores all of this sensory information because your brain recognizes that you are at threat and your brain is now trying to store all the memory of all of this so that you can avoid this situation in your future. It's a survival tactic. But they don't go through this. They don't, uh, they don't store every word and every look because they are not under threat. When you are not experiencing trauma, your brain does not store the event to the same extent. You might remember bits and pieces, but it won't have that same level of clarity. Take a minute and compare the level of recollection between one of these horrible memories with your covert narcissist. We all have them. The memory of, you know, one of the moments of traumatic abuse from them. And compare that memory, the level of significance of that memory, like the level of detail, to just a normal memory of something, like a, a birthday party or a graduation. Compare that for a minute. And that difference, this is why when you talk with your abuser weeks, months, or even years later, they're going to say, well, I don't remember that happening. Of course they don't. It didn't traumatize them. They may be con completely convinced, in fact, that the situation never even happened. And they may firmly believe that it never happened. It didn't traumatize them, so it's not implanted in their memory like it is in yours. Well, this is gaslighting. This is where we talk about that. Whether they intend it or not, they'll tell you that it never happened or that it happened differently than you remember. Again, it didn't leave an impression on them, so they don't remember it. And yet they're going to stand there and tell you that you are remembering it wrong. This goes right along with that, that lack of environment of trust. I've talked about this before. They don't trust you, so they won't listen to your version of what happened. They don't trust you. You know, they don't remember it. You do, but they won't listen to you because they don't trust you. They, they think that you're out to get them. So they won't even consider that maybe you are telling the truth and that it really did happen this way. They don't trust your version of reality. They don't want to, especially if it's a story that's showing a bad version of them. They don't want to believe it. And so they won't. They might even say, you know, something like, there is no way that I ever said that to you. I don't feel that way, so why would I ever say that? I would not do that to you. I know I heard that many times. That hyper-awareness that your brain goes into stores every aspect of the situation. As I said, that includes smells, sounds, taste, sights, sensory inputs, feelings, so later, when it is far from your mind, that same smell or sound can cause your brain to reactivate those feelings that you had back at the time of that traumatic experience. You may not even know why all of a sudden you're feeling anxious and upset, why you want to run or fight or hide. It's because you've been triggered. That, that trigger is what sends you back into that response. Now, why do triggers happen? They're a survival instinct that we all have. 
Imagine that you're driving on a wet road and your car hydroplanes. You lose control of the car and you're spinning or, or fishtailing and, and it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Your brain goes into that survival mode as you try to find a way to survive this horrible situation. And in this situation, I'm going to say you succeed. You get control back of the car. Your heart is pounding out of your chest. You know, you are in that fight or flight mode, but you manage to get through it. Now, if this gets implanted into your brain as a trigger, then every time you are driving in a rainstorm, your brain will go back into that survival mode, back into overdrive. This is what I mean by a trigger. That trigger is your system's way of warning you, protecting you from the same situation repeating itself. That situation was a threat to you. So this is a warning that you are in potential danger. Your body will go into high alert. Your senses will go into high alert, all in an attempt to keep you safe. This is not a bad thing. It's not a broken system. The problem is, when our triggers are at the hands of the one who is supposed to be our life partner, our teammate, our companion, or maybe even if it's your parent, you know, if you've got a narcissistic parent, people that we are supposed to trust and love, people who have committed to caring for, it, for us, at least verbally committed to it. When this person is the source of our triggers and we live with them daily and these triggers continuously pile up, all of this causes a lot of turmoil inside of us. And therefore, we're experiencing triggers on a regular basis, sometimes daily. So what can we do to help with this? How do we stop these triggers? How do we stop this reaction inside of us? If you are still being triggered by your abuser, maybe you're still in that relationship or still in contact with them, if you're co-parenting with them, or if it's your parent, you know, that, that is the narcissist in your life, then you're still in that relationship with them or in at least in some communication with them. If you are still being triggered by that abuser, then one of the huge steps you can take is to change your expectations of this person. I've talked about projections and expectations before. If you missed that episode, go back and grab it. If you are still expecting this person to treat you in a good and decent way, then you are continuously getting stabbed in the heart every time that they do not. How many times do they have to show you that they are going to treat you abusively, meanly, unfairly, selfishly, before you start expecting it. You see, we, our expectations of another person say more about us than they do about them. If I am expecting somebody to treat me in a good and decent way, with compassion, with the ability to compromise, the ability to reconcile, all of these good things, that's because that's who I am. I am projecting onto them my goodness. And I, and I want that from them. I want them to treat me this way. And I, I expect of myself to treat them this same way. And so I expect to get good and decent behavior. And when I don't, it hurts. That's where the traumatic experiences come in. That's where, you know, my heart goes into, um, my, my heart starts racing and my stomach drops because I'm under threat because they're not treating me in that good and decent way. Stop expecting them to be reasonable. I'm not saying to accept it. That's different. It's not okay, but expect it. 
stop trying to understand it. Stop trying to hear, you know, stop expecting them to hear what you're saying. Stop expecting them to compromise. Expect them to make everything about them. Expect them to be offended and defensive, to be reactive, to pass the blame. All these things that they've been doing for so long, expect it. Then when it happens, instead of it hurting so much, you actually feel more empowered. You can look at it and go, yep, there it is again. Okay, now I see it for what it is. I don't need to react to that. I already knew it was going to happen. Here we go again. This one thing of turning your expectations around is a way of protecting your heart from continuously getting stabbed. Now, let's imagine that you're outside of the relationship. Maybe you're past it. You've gone no contact. It's over. And you're still being triggered. Know that this is part of your healing journey. This is normal. There is nothing wrong with you. Again, you are having normal reactions to traumatic situations. Maybe they're in your background, but they're still there. And like I said earlier, this is your system's way of keeping you safe when it believes you are under threat. Now you have to teach your system, though, that you are no longer under threat. That these similar situations, while there may be similarities, a smell, a sound, a phrase, uh, an environment, whatever, that these situations are different. So when you feel triggered, here are some things you can do. You can recognize where these intense feelings are coming from. Identify it. What was that previous traumatic experience? Go ahead and acknowledge it. Face it. Know that these feelings are not coming from this trigger itself, but rather from that original experience. If you're journaling, like I've talked about in previous episodes, add this original experience to your journal. Storing these memories in a safe space that is outside of your own head gives your mind and body permission to quit remembering them. It's part of the steps that I encourage everyone to take in that healing journey. And if you have not heard my podcast yet called Two Tools for Healing from Covert Narcissistic Abuse, then you need to go back and listen to it. I talk in there about something called an energy burn. It's a great way to start getting this stored energy out of you and to take away the effect, the effectiveness of the triggers. I will include a link to that in the episode of my show notes today because you really need to go back and do that. Another way to handle being triggered is remind yourself that this is not then. So we've, we've already kind of recognized where the intense feelings are coming from. Recognize the difference. Start identifying the difference. This is not then. This is now. And now you are safe. Triggers will remove you from your present moment. They will take you back. It's kind of like a flashback. It is. It's a form of emotional flashback to that traumatic experience. Acknowledge this, but don't judge yourself for it. Do not get irritated with yourself for having this this emotional flashback. You have been through enough judgment. Do not judge yourself. Be patient with you. You are healing. Gently bring yourself back to the present moment. Identify where you are right now and the situation you are in right now. Some slow, deep breathing helps. Taking an assessment of your current senses is actually a great way to help keep yourself in the present moment and to slow down that trigger reaction. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I taste? What do I feel? You can also have a mantra that you, a mantra that you repeat to yourself, you know, inside your own head, you can say to yourself, I am safe. 
Right now, I am safe. This is now, not then. If you are struggling with triggers and emotional flashbacks or or full-on flashbacks, one quick and easy tool is to get some gum, candy, mint, something with a strong taste to it. Maybe something you really like, but I'm going to tell you, even something you really don't like can be extremely effective. When you feel yourself becoming triggered, keep this stuff in your pocket or in your purse somewhere close by. And when you feel yourself becoming triggered, put a piece of this gum or candy in your mouth. Instantly, that jolting taste of a strong flavor, and I mean strong, get something that that is like crazy strong to you. Um, you know, if you don't like strawberry flavored gum, get strawberry flavored gum. Something that, that you you will instantly notice that's in your mouth. The jolting taste of that strong flavor can quickly bring you back to the present moment. And then while you're there, tell yourself that mantra, I am safe. This is now, and that was then. And start realizing where you are now. What really is going on now? And it's different than what was going on then. Meditation is an incredibly helpful tool as well. It's a great way to practice living more and more in the present moment. Every time your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to the present moment. With practice, you can get much better at this and it does get easier. And then it becomes a way of living a part of your life. Please know that these triggers are not a setback. We can easily think, oh, I thought I was more healed than this. I thought I'd already dealt with that situation. Well, maybe you did, but maybe you've got more to do. Just getting on this healing journey is a huge step for you. The fact that you're even here listening to this, your eyes are starting to open and healing is already taking place. So yes, you are well on your way. Be proud of that. Look at how far you've come. And this is you now in a new place, remembering what happened. The triggers you're experiencing now, this is you with all the healing you have done. This is not your old self stuck in that helpless place. This is you with all the healing that has happened so far, all the awareness, all the progress, all the knowledge, looking back with a new perspective. The feelings will feel familiar to you, sure. That's because of the memory but you are a new you. You are in a different place today. I'm going to tell you one more thing. Don't run from the triggers. Don't try to eliminate all of them from your life. If you've been with a covert narcissist, I'm going to tell you now that's not possible. If I could just remove all of them, then I will be fine. No. When you have, when you can have a trigger that reminds you of your past and it no longer causes that internal reaction in you, this is incredibly empowering. When I no longer react to them, I'm no longer afraid of them. I can identify them and even acknowledge the memory that they represent. Then I am no longer controlled by them. It's not possible to run from all the triggers when you're with a covert narcissist because there's simply too many. But my goal is to no longer be controlled by them. I'm no longer controlled by that abusive past. And now I can start living the life I want to right now. Will there be more triggers? Probably, but I'm not afraid of them anymore. I hope that this brings you peace on this journey. And I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.